But I'm going to tell you this, we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligibles podcast. I am Will Stone. He is Chase Caldwell. I'm on the wrong microphone, so let me fix that. <laughs> there we go. Hope that sounds better. Much better. Uh, yeah, I'm Will. He's Chase. He's Hayden. Uh, boys, how we doing? We doing well. We all right. We back. We um, spring football is over, which is... Uh, which is good because it means we're closer to football season. Uh, bad because we don't see the team again for, you know, another three, four months until uh, until August. Uh, NFL draft coming up. That's kind of the last bit of football activity, really. Um, I guess the NFL has like summer practices and whatnot and things of that sort. Maybe your fantasy drafts, you know, will be here before too long. But, you know, really it's getting into its draft NBA, NHL playoffs, and then just a lot of baseball until August. But, um, hey, how about them Rangers? Number one number one in the West, maybe. There you go. You know, I like baseball, but there's no way I could keep up with 162 games a year. Yeah, no kidding. Makes me appreciate football even more. That it's just, you know, it's once a week. It's appointment viewing. And you, you know, for three months out of the year, you, you spend – the whole week just getting amped up for that day or if no you're doubt. me you know like you know i'm watching thursday friday saturday sunday monday so just gearing up for all those days <laughs> yeah and it makes you feel more of an elitist if you get tickets to the game that's true like if you think about like scarcity how many millions of people have the option to get baseball tickets but there's only like several hundred thousand that could get football tickets. I don't know. Maybe there's millions of that and billions of the other. Yeah. Um, billions, eh? <laughs> billions billion. and billions and billions. <laughs> I was going to, I was, I was going to start elsewhere, but that sparked uh, something else. I, I was talking about yesterday with Brittany um, and, and Billy Lucci brought this up on tech Sags on Monday, but does it, is it kind of weird to y'all or like, does it affect you in any way that the a spring game typically draws around 7,000 between seven and 10,000 people to the stadium when you have teams like Oklahoma and Georgia and Ohio state get like 50 plus to their spring games. Um, 50 plus just, thousand. Yeah. Like they're like Nebraska used to sell out their spring game every year or like they'd have a, a full house and like, some of those other programs, they'll have, you know, yeah, 50K plus show up to their spring game. And um, it's weird because A&M does extremely well with, you know, actual football season attendance. Like, we're probably number one in that. But for whatever reason, it may, like maybe it's ring day or... Uh, I was about to say, yeah. So, I can, I can kind of speak to that, I would say, from just my personal experience of it being parents weekend every time right we do a horrible job of trying to make that a big deal because when you think about like the core cadets that's whenever they do all of their like i don't know what they call it but wherever like the freshmen become sophomores and sophomores become juniors and all of that i think i want there's core people that might listen to this podcast later that would be just so irritated that i don't know the name of it but it's like the like final the, march or something like that is uh, that when 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 seniors get their boots i think so i think okay. so and it's like the last review last review i think is what it's called gotcha um final review final review i think that's that right sounds man right. i'm a terrible aggie right here it's the final but, uh, countdown <laughs> but yeah like like that goes on which is a big thing for the core and then um like inevitably I've never been able to go to both the spring game and crawfish boil for AGR. I have right. to choose yeah. one time every single year. And I've brought it up before of like, Hey, we need to coordinate between them. And there just never seems to be enough interest between the two to where we've never coordinated those times. Um, 
but I think we should probably make it more of a weekend where you do that. I think there's just so much going on at A&M on those weekends with ring dumps yeah. and ring day and all of that, that people don't really care about spring game. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, I went back to college station. What was it? Two weekends ago now for crawfish boil. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I want to see if I can try and make it to the spring game. Cause I saw it was going on and I was like, let's check the times. And the, I mean, sure enough, crawfish boil is, you know, smack dab right in the middle of it so there's no way to even go to like half the game or anything it's you either gotta you, you gotta pick one or the other and so i've, n- I've never even been to a spring game yeah um, i've because... only been to two crawfish bowls before because of that <laughs> <laughs> even when, when like, i was a student i never could go because i always had to work the spring yeah. game and like i remember the only one that was like of note was the year after Johnny won the Heisman, that spring game, because obviously we had all that excitement. Um, I'm pretty sure like Herb Street and Musburger were calling our spring game. It was on ESPN, you know, main channel. And, and that had a big turnout. But even that, I don't think was anywhere near 50,000. I bet it was like 20 something, you know, like in the, in the twenties yeah. of thousands, but not, not 50, not there, there weren't people in the third deck, you know? So um, I would I would definitely love for that to be more of a center point, but there again, a lot of the teams that you're talking about they don't have something like we do with Ring Day, and right. so like they have the spring game for alumni to come back to. We have Ring Day and final review and all of Parents Weekend, you know. Right. It's just yeah. a busy weekend overall, and that yeah. definitely detracts from the spring game. The spring game's all just, yeah, one of those things to do as opposed to the thing to do. Yeah. Right. I think if you want to encourage that kind of turnout, I think you have to move it to a different weekend um, just because. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, maybe a, a deterrent is that it's ring weekend and parents weekend, like, Maybe if someone wants to go to the spring game, they don't want to put up with all the traffic of, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone's parents coming into town and things like that. That too. I, I kind of, I wonder if, wonder if they wouldn't have a better turnout if they did it at like 7 PM. Yeah. You know, to where rings have been handed out, people are off campus and, you know, things like crawfish bowl and stuff like that haven't happened. You, you, or, you, or then you have on. ring dunks though. Yeah. I was going to say that's a direct conflict with True. your ring dunks then. Yeah, that's true. I you I think you'd just have to scrap it from from that weekend altogether and move it to be a standalone focal point of the weekend. I don't I don't think that they're bringing anybody in for that. Like the people that do come in, they try and avoid all the traffic and everything and yeah. You yeah. bring in all the parents and al- alumni and everybody else and it's yeah, it's it's almost more of a reason to not go into town. Yeah. You could also maybe do it on Friday or Sunday. Friday like still Friday, rain dunks. Friday afternoon, yeah, true. Yeah, but, I think a different weekend is probably the move, but the university really doesn't push it. Like, it's like, yeah. hey, the, like there is a spring game, but like, who gives a crap, you know? But like, if they wanted to, they could, you know, really market it, you know, make it at, like to where people are encouraged to tailgate, you know, and things like that. But you can't tailgate and all that stuff if all the parking is taken for people getting their yeah. rings and, and such so again I, think, I feel like if you ask the average aggie they would rather have parents weekend than they would the spring game yeah um which i mean i i would be in that boat but um but i still go to the spring game most every year i haven't gone the last two years but um yeah but and my, my last thing on that is you know they just redid aggie park they spent all this money like have some kind of concert or something out there like have have a reason for people to go maybe besides football and make it more of a family thing. But, you know, we need, we need more people in the marketing department of our AD, I think maybe (laughs) just, uh, I don't know. It just kind of like, uh, it it irks me that, that other schools can, I think it's really just recruiting. Like they can bring a recruit in and be like, Hey, like look at all these fans and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we need to get that kid to hold off till the fall to see, you know, our real game day atmosphere. Like who cares about a spring game? Like when it, when it matters, our fans show up. So. Yeah. Of course, in recent memory, that hasn't really deterred us. <laughs> we, they, he commits in the, in the spring and then we get him out in the fall and then he, 
takes all of his posts down from his previous <laughs> commitment. <laughs> um, speaking of that, um, this kind of ties in with my my next point of uh, spring games at other other places and like the football aspect, not the crowd aspect. But um, the second transfer window is open. Uh, I think it closes uh, next week. But you've seen a bunch of kids go in um, here in the past probably seven or ten days or so. Um, and you're, you're probably going to keep seeing that until, you know, next week. But um, a lot of options for other schools and a lot of options for A&M to maybe go pluck a guy here and there. Um, uh, I know the uh, the kid, uh, uh, Buckner, at Notre Dame, he was their starting QB for the first couple of games last season. Uh, was probably running second or third this year. He's in the portal um, looking at Alabama. Um, Colorado had like 18 or 20 guys enter in the past week, which is which is weird. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but ESPN only broadcasted one spring game on their main channel this this spring, and it was Colorado's. And, uh, you know, obviously the Dion factor there with like the excitement, they had a lot of fans show up, but I don't know why they're, like they're losing good players right now. So that's, that's gotta be troubling for, for Colorado fans, uh, of which there are some, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but you know, like they looked, they had some nice moments in the spring game, but now they're seeing this kind of exodus of, of players going elsewhere. I, I don't, I don't know, but, um, it's, it's definitely, I, I do like that. There's, there's actual limits that, Hey, we're like, Hey, Next Monday, for example, is like the last day to enter. After that, no more. Like you're locked in until next season. So I do like that aspect, but there's yeah. still there's still some movement to be had. Yeah. Um, when it when it, when did you say it closes? I think it's next. It's sometime next week. Maybe next Monday, but sometime next week, I, I believe. Chase, you still with us? Yeah, I am. I, okay. I keep disconnecting and reconnecting, so let's hope yeah. that that doesn't keep up. But um, I'm here. I, I don't know exactly all of what you said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I kind of paused because I didn't I wasn't sure what to say back. You're good. Um, You're good. But yeah, I've noticed a lot of uptick in transfers and commitments across the board. Um, and I heard you say Dion, so I'm sure you mentioned Colorado and some of their transfers that they've had. Yeah, that was kind of my main point was, like, they actually showed some nice things in their spring game. But then on, you know, Monday, really all this week, there's been guys going in every every day from Colorado. Yeah. So um, I don't really understand that. Uh, and it's probably pretty worrisome for them. But I was definitely worried when Bobby Taylor hit the portal, but I saw that he's back out of it, huh? Came back, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think just from, you know, reading the tea leaves at, at other sites, um, I think, I think we're, we're, we're good on, uh, anybody else leaving. Um, the, the other recent one was, uh, Matthew Wyckoff. He entered it like maybe three, four weeks ago. Um, so, so he, so he is leaving, but Bobby entered, came back out. He's going to stay. And I, I was kind of worried, um, about our scholarship numbers. Um, cause we were like in the, starting to get towards the low seventies there, but they actually went and got a couple of uh, pickups from the portal. They got a, uh, a corner from Boston college, uh, Josh DeBerry, and then a uh, JD Davis linebacker from Jackson state. So um, two veterans that need spots. And then, you know, that just adds to your depth and to your roster. So they're sitting at 76, which is decent. That's, that's, that's fine. You know, the cap is 85, but um I think they'll probably add some more, like maybe get closer to 80 somewhere in there, but, um, shouldn't, shouldn't be any issue with, um, with, you know, not having enough scholarship players going into the season. Yeah. Well, um, I'd, I'd like to see us pick up another guy or two. I, I certainly would. And, um, there, there were some names that were out there that I know they're interested in and that guys that have visited, 
But now there's the second window of, you know, even more guys going in. So maybe they hold off and they're like, oh, like, let's wait and see who all does enter. And then, you know, maybe pick our spots after that and not rush into it. But yeah. um, there's, I, I know for, I know for one, um, earlier today, uh, Caleb Burton, the receiver from, he, he was from Lake Travis and signed with Ohio State uh, in that, the 2022 class that, that AM did so well in, but uh, he's transferring from Ohio State. Um, it's tough to be a receiver up there. Like, you've got to be the, <laughs> the best of the best to hang in that room. And uh, he's, he's probably still a fine player. So um, if he wants to get back closer to home, I hope AM takes a look at him. Yeah. Well, especially because I feel like receivers somewhere that we could still very much benefit from picking up somebody yeah um, and linebacker for that matter yeah um both both of those are areas of concern for me and that that's kind of that goes into into the spring game which is the the topic of conversation today yeah. i one of my biggest takeaways from the spring game we have good receiver play um Definitely looks like no surprise here that Evan Stewart is going to be really carrying our team in a lot of ways at the receiver spot. But yeah, um, not that not that we had poor play from the others because of course Anaya Smith is Anaya Smith. He's going to be a great player for us. Um, I was really, really, um, really impressed by uh, what's his name. I even wrote his name down. Let me see if I can find it. Was it was it Micah? Micah, thank you. Micah um, Tease. Yeah, I couldn't remember his first name. I guess I could have just said Tease. But uh, I was impressed by him in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, he, he really showed off. I mean, you got to take everything with a grain of salt when you're watching a spring game, of course. Yeah. But you, you will have a couple guys that kind of stand out. And you, you also have to be... You have to weigh those options. Is this a walk-on <laughs> right. that, that's out there playing against the second-team offense and he's a walk-on corner that got one interception? Okay, that's probably not anybody to build your team around, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but Micah really, really impressed me um, a couple different times throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, Evan yeah. Stewart just it was just one of those he, the the connection between uh, between Evan or I don't, I don't know he just kind of reminds me of Mike Evans in a way if, if you want to say not not Mike Evans I'm doing a terrible job explaining this right now <laughs> um, but it, if you if you look at the connection between Johnny yeah. and Mike. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that these two are going to be that, but Wigman and Evan Stewart, some of the throws that you saw between the two were very reminiscent of what you would have seen between Johnny and Mike. Not I think a one-to-one comparison. It's just yeah. we're going to throw it up and I'm going to take more dangerous throws towards you and you're yeah. going to make those catches. You know, I think there's something to that. Um, like if when, when things start to break down, Connor's just going to go, hey, I, I'm going to find number one and just throw it his direction and see right. if he can make a play on it. And he, he probably will because he's yeah. he's got a, he's he's got a knack for doing that. Like um, I know it's a spring game, but like it just, you know, built up on what we saw all last season when he was healthy. Um, yeah, he's really damn good. And um, he's, you know, he's probably set to you know, be one of the best receivers in the SEC, if not in the country this year. And especially with Connor feeding him the ball, which is probably going to happen. So, right. Um, well, and, uh, thank you for putting my thoughts into words for me, um, <laughs> because that's exactly what I was trying to say is, I, do I expect him to look identical to them? Do I expect Wigman to be a Heisman trophy winning quarterback like Johnny? No, no, no. Do I expect that, well <laughs> that Evan Stewart is going to be, the next Mike Evans, no, but the connection between the two, it gives your quarterback in times of everything breaking down, somebody that he can throw that ball to and a big play come out of nowhere. Whenever yeah. whenever it shouldn't have, 
whenever you should have been sacked on the play, you scramble out, you throw it up, and then everybody's left going, what? what? How did that happen? You know, that was awesome. <laughs> so that's, that's more so what, what I yeah. saw a couple different times. I remember there were so many times with Mike where, like, like the play would happen, you just shake your head and just be like, how did he make that happen? <laughs> like, exactly. Like, how did he make that player come down with that ball? And, um, like, Evan, obviously, you know, different kind of player, but just he's got that same, you know, that same talent and ability. Right. Um, obviously, no no Moose Muhammad, um, who really came on at the end of last year. Um, really, really bummed uh, about Noah Thomas getting hurt on the first drive. Mm-hmm. Um, love me some Bryce Anderson, but come on, buddy. Like, don't – don't be taking your own guy's heads off in, in, a, in a spring game, but hey, he's just got that dog in him. But that was um, that was my thoughts exactly. That's always my thought when I'm watching a spring game: is come on, yeah, you know, what's going on here? Um, but um, a, 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 apparently, by all accounts, um, Noah really showed out this spring. Um, you know, he he's got the Mike Evans build. You know, from Galveston, yeah. you know, six six, probably you know, probably two oh five or so. Um, was the spring offensive MVP that they, they hand those out at, at halftime or whatever. Um, so he must have really impressed uh, to, to garner that, those kind of accolades and things like that. But I um, wish we could have seen more of him. Um, Anias, Anias had the yellow jersey. He, he still made some plays here and there. I kept getting him and Damani mixed up because they, they're both in yellow and, like, they're often in the same area of the field <laughs> and uh, things like that. But yeah, um, all in all, uh, not – the sharpest or cleanest or prettiest display of, uh, of quarterback play. Um, I thought Max did some nice things. Um, you know, Jimbo didn't come out and name Connor the starter, even though we're pretty sure he's going to start, but, um, man, it's so huge to, to keep Max on this team and, and have him as that, as that safety net. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say I was not impressed by Max, I was impressed by Max as a second string quarterback. Yeah. I was looking at him as like, man, he's one of the best second strings we've had in a long time. Um, well, I say that after coming off last year when we had two really good ones, but um, <laughs> he, my takeaway, I, I saw Max do a lot of things. I wouldn't want my quarterback to do. Um, there was several times where he's rolling off to the right and he's throwing. Yeah you know, with no that power left, in his arm that, across that the ball yeah. or across the field and just just really kind of um, emergency plays that shouldn't have been made. Yeah. You know, just go down or, or get you two yards out of the play. I, I, won't, I don't want to see that in a spring game. Right. If you're going to do that in a spring game, you're going to do it in a game for sure. Um, and so that's one of the things that's kind of hard – Definitely my takeaway from I, I think I've seen a lot of people kind of put down what they saw of Wigman during that game. I didn't. I what I was watching, I was seeing a Wigman that isn't a true Wigman. It's kinda like watching Johnny or, or any of those types of quarterbacks in that setting where they they almost look boring. Yeah. Because they're making nice good reads. They're not making they're not extending the play or anything like that. But you can't. You can't during a game like that. You really shouldn't during a game like that. Uh because somebody like Wigman that might be able to get free and you know shake somebody or whatever, the play's gonna be called dead before you're even able to do that in a spring game because they don't want your quarterback getting hit. And yeah. so um I think what I would say to that is I hope that he makes a lot of those good decisions in the in the actual game scenario and not be a run first quarterback. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought he did have a he did show a little bit of mobility in there though. He did. He absolutely yeah. he we know he has it. There's no yeah. doubt about him having it. For me, it's more of, okay, during this spring game, I want to see the really good, thoughtful plays of let's pretend as if you weren't mobile. Yeah. What's, what, what would your reads and your progressions be and work through those without having to sprint for your life, you know? 
Um, yeah. And I, I thought he did a really good job at that. Did he make the best throws and all of that? Not necessarily. But that's where you could attribute that to say, okay, here's a guy that has, you know, he's got a governor put on him to where yeah. he can't run full speed and throw the ball like he normally would. He's he's supposed to sit back and, and make those plays. Can he still make them? And he did. And and so it's good to see it's good to see that from him, even though it was it the absolute best game he's ever played. No, it's not going to be. Because again, he he can't make half of the plays that he would normally make. So if he can exhibit in a setting like that that he would still be a good quarterback. That means that he could become a great quarterback whenever he's free to do whatever he does, right? Yeah. Um, I think on a couple of those zone reads, um, he may not take one to the house, but he's definitely getting some some good chunk yardage. If, for sure. If, he, if he's not down just by getting touched, you know. Um, when there but, was a couple of times that, that the play was blown up. where Yeah, you know, for sure, goes, yeah. He goes over here, and there's no, you know, it was a – miscommunication the the running backs going to the left he's going to the right running backs not there and a game scenario he's going to get four yards because yeah. he's going to just sprint real quick and grab a couple yards slide and and get on to the next play instead yeah. of having to stand there and think what do i do now right yeah. um and and that's where his his um instinct would kick in to oh i gotta sprint with this ball you know yeah so that part may not seem like super significant, but I feel like once he got into games last year, like he kind of had trouble like finding his footing on when, like when he tried to scramble, mm-hmm. like he was like slipping and sliding quite a bit and like, like looked a little, you know, like almost clumsy at times. And I'm like, man, like this is not the guy that I saw just like tearing people up in high school, scoring eight touchdowns in that one game that we watched on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, true freshman under the lights for the first time, the season and team are in shambles and we turned to our, our 18 year old quarterback, like, Hey, please help us. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, he definitely showed some of the old Connor with, uh, his athleticism and his mobility. Um, also like his completion percentage wasn't great. I think, uh, uh, 17 out of 40. So a little bit under 50%, but um there were some balls on the money that you know the receivers just couldn't haul in um mm-hmm. there, there was a pass in the end zone that hit evan in the face and just <laughs> b- bounced off his face mask <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know um just, just like it's it's a spring game like they're not going to be you know looking like the the you know the chiefs in in a spring game you know right but, um but i thought some of the things you know like him throwing the ball uh different arm angles, different, you know, put in touch on certain passes or, or, or pulling the trigger on some others. Um, his o- overall accuracy and ball placement, I thought was pretty good. Um, and for, to lead into a different point about the offense itself, um, there's Petrino's fingerprints on what they showed. And they mm-hmm. even said, like, hey, we're not going to show a lot. Like, <laughs> I mean, like – you know, the players have talked all spring about, you know, hey, we're doing, you know, more pre-snap motion. We're moving faster. We're, we're snapping the ball quicker um, and things like that. But uh, there was a, f- a few little things here and there. Like uh, there was a couple of plays where you could just tell like, hey, this was drawn up to be super easy. And like a few passes to Evan were like, hey, like we're going to scheme Evan open right here and get, you know, seven, eight yards out of it. Um, but also I thought the biggest thing was the – the running game difference, um, pulling guards, pulling tackles, pulling centers and tackles, pulling tight ends. Like there was so much more like last year, it was just, you know, inside zone, outside zone, just block who's in front of you. And this was, you know, so different. And that's, you know, that's kind of Petrino's calling card. And, you know, we have the guys to execute that. I love all three of the running backs. I thought, I thought they all look good. I, I hated, I hated to see Moss get hurt there. Cause he was looking, you know, pretty tough when he was in there. Well, that was my biggest takeaway as well, is how good the running game was. I, I was very impressed where – I don't know if if this is a good thing or bad thing. I took it away as a good thing, but there was times where I couldn't tell which running back was in. 
right? Because they they all just seem to be at the same caliber all the time, and that's really good for from my perspective of well, there's no drop off there. Uh, yeah. It's three guys that that look identical. Uh, the I guess the bad part of that would be that they're kind of one dimensional. Maybe they're all very similar backs, but but I. I would say I would lean more on the positive side on that one. Uh, I'm just acknowledging that there could be some oversight that I'm seeing, but I, I was just looking at it from the standpoint of, man, they look really clean and they look really tough. Uh, all of them just kept moving their feet, kept moving their feet, driving the line, getting two or three more yards out yeah. of each play. And it was, I was very impressed with the run game. And there's a couple times when, like, it was a pass play and things kind of broke down, and Ruben Owens is right there for a little dump off, you know, yeah. and you get a first down out of that. Like, like little things like that are just so big. And like, when you look back on the disaster that last year was, like, nothing was was sharp or crisp, and like, there was never a a plan B. It felt like, like, hey, sure. if this play gets blown up, like, we're we're screwed. <laughs> like, like, we don't know what what else we're gonna do, and. Um, you know, I, I felt like there was, you know, like the, the backs were just so impressive and you got three good ones. I, I like what I saw to crown over. I always have. And yeah, he doesn't get talked about in that same vein, but, um, you know, to kind of pile onto that, you saw us go under center quite a bit, which we, you know, Jimbo has done that in the past, but hasn't really as of late, at least at, at like, you know, at A&M the past few years. But you know, you put Crown over there at fullback. That dude's a football player now. Like he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna get in there and he's gonna lead block for you. <laughs> and yeah, you know, like going under center and then running play action off that and going deep. Like those are some Petrino staples that prove to me, like, hey, this isn't just Jimbo's offense dressed up a little bit. Like it's like this is Petrino doing what he wants to do, and it makes me that much more excited to see you know on September second what they start doing in real football games. Yeah. Me too. I that's that was a big takeaway for me was the the changes that I saw. Uh, you already mentioned the different blocking schemes that we had on offense, um, but just I don't know. I can't. I don't want to say this in a way that detracts from the past couple of years because I think we've done this to some degree. But it just seemed like that offense is designed around the players that we have for their skill set. Crownover is a perfect example of that. How many times did we run him? We just would replace Devon a chain with him. Well, that's, that's a completely different style of running back. Um, and, And you're trying to force feed them into the same plays. And it just, it doesn't work that way where it just seemed like, it seems like he's a natural fit for the fullback position. Um, which I'm, uh, I would have to run the tape back, but surely we've used him in that position enough last year anyways, but yeah. it just, it just seemed like, it just seemed like all of the plays were designed around the, the players that we had and less around here's the play. I don't care if you're good at it or not, you're going to run it, you know? And, yeah. and that's what, that's what, at least for the past two or three years and, in Jimbo's offense, that's the way I've felt. I've felt like we've just been trying to cram a round peg into a square hole and just yeah. kept on going, kept on going, kept on going because that's Jimbo's offense and we got to run it and you're going to yeah. run it until you're good at it instead you, of, you need hey, to let's execute. look at what we're good at and then run that, right? Yeah. Um, it's all about execution, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought, or, you know, or I think that the offense just needs more easy buttons you know like hey it's mm-hmm. it's third and six you know what play we're gonna run like let's make, make it easy on your like don't make your quarterback sit that sit back there and do rocket science on third and six like right. <laughs> draw up something easy for him to you know find one of your badass receivers wide open somewhere and yeah i'm, I'm certainly excited about that but or have uh, enough confidence in your run game whenever you you're on the two yard line to beat alabama oh to yeah. just hand the ball off and <laughs> dive into the end zone but that's a whole other thing is i've I've seen some people say that petrino's biggest thing is like 
preparing a game plan for specific opponents and knowing how to attack defenses. And I don't want to dive too far into that because I'm not an expert, but that sounds exciting as hell. <laughs> and you're know, not just, you know, what's our offense? We're going to run it. Like, no, like they have a weakness at X, Y, and Z. We're going to exploit that with our, you know, with our strengths kind of thing. I think Les Miles was always good at that. You watch yeah. those those LSU teams at the beginning of our time at, in in the SEC, and they would always look completely different versus the different teams that they were playing, and and in some ways, I I really like that because I don't like the whole idea of oh it's a faceless opponent and blah 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 <laughs> because that's just that's just coach speak and. You get in the locker room, they're not actually talking like that. Now, you'll have – it's kind of the same way, like, once you become an adult, all these people that really, really love the, like, self-help books and, like, all of that where it's like, be where your feet are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. You know, that's really life-changing for me to know, like, yeah, I just need to be present in my everyday life. But – you get some of those people that, that that's like they hear that and then they'll just reciprocate it. And, and don't get me wrong to some people that stuff really works to me. I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. That's not, that does absolutely nothing to change my everyday life. Um, and so you're going to have a little bit of both on any, any kind of football team where you're going to have some guys that are really motivated by, Oh, it's just a faceless opponent. And you'll have other guys is like, yeah, it's a faceless opponent that's Alabama, and we just got through playing the faceless opponent of Lamar University. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a New, vast New difference between those two, and yeah. um, so I think I think to some degree it's it's good to have that because what ends up happening happening is is you hear oh yeah it's a faceless opponent we we just we're going to play our game and then we're going to make them play us and blah, 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 blah. And then you beat Florida and Jimbo's out there like, yeah, screw the Gators, you know? And <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. faceless he, opponent really, he really, doesn't, he doesn't care at all. Doesn't yeah, he? <laughs> you don't care who the opponent is, but, but whenever you're really fighting for us to be in the college football playoff, then you're going to be like, we played the best, best team <laughs> we lost against the best team in football with the best players in football and how can't you know you're going to discredit us for that come on now okay what happened to alabama being faceless um yeah so i'm glad my my mic was off uh when you said that thing about your feet and your shoes or whatever <laughs> uh, i almost covered this microphone in my drink <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, cosine like hundred percent on that. Um, I do want to get to the O line a little bit. Like you had some guys out. Obviously, Bryce is doing doing track stuff. Uh, Ruben was not available, but um, you had some young guys in there. Uh, Mark Naboo, second year player, uh, played I think every position uh, from left tackle to right tackle, both guards and played center. Um, he he's looking promising. Uh, Cam Dewberry, Remington Strickland. Um, I was super impressed with uh, uh, the young freshman, uh, Chase Pisantis. Um, he's a guy that I've you know always been a fan of. I think we talked about him on our last show, but um, you know he's a guy I'll, re I'll reiterate here. If he's not picked in the NFL draft in three or four years, I'll be very surprised. But uh, he's got the, that ready-made strength and that nasty demeanor. You, you want your O-line to be – to kind of be pricks like you don't want a bunch of you know nice guys on your o-line you want guys that want to drive their opponents into the ground and and just you know physically kick their butts and he's got that that demeanor and he's got the the ability to, to back it up and um he wasn't perfect he he, he got some uh you know he, he he lost some some battles to shamar turner who's a guy we'll talk about here in a second but um I thought all in all, I, I think my my key thing, you know, in addition to the different schemes and things like that, is just the confidence. Like, yeah. there was very few like misses or like you know just completely blown assignments or or just completely getting whipped. You know, like uh, obviously Walter Nolan, he's coming into his own. He looks like a bull in a china shop out there. Um, there's not a lot of guys like that that you're going to be playing against. So um, yeah. it's a it's okay if you lose a few reps against a guy of that caliber but even then like 
you know, they they gave him some trouble too. Yeah, I think I mean I've I've always said that I'm admittedly not an offensive line expert, which is why I, I love that you're on the podcast because you are. But the biggest thing to me that whenever I was looking back at last year and really maybe the year before too, um, when I'm looking at an offensive line is is for it to be clean and not not just penalty after penalty after penalty, you know, whether it's holding or false start. I I saw at the beginning of the game, I, I think it was like the first three or four plays, somebody jumped early. Yeah. Now they only called it once, but somebody jumped early the first like four or five plays. Well it couldn't go back any farther. Yeah, and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, okay guys, let's let's figure this out. I think as the game went on you saw less and less of that. Yeah. Um which is partially to be expected, right? Uh, guys that are out there and they haven't been in that environment for a while. But that's something that, that I really hope that we work out this year. Again, I think it got better as the game went on. But when you look back at, at our 2020 offense, uh, our offensive line, there wasn't just a whole lot of penalties. There, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of holding penalties. There wasn't a whole lot of false starts. And that's where we really need to get to. Again, there's probably scheme and or there's definitely scheme and stuff like that that needs to be improved on. I'm just not the one to speak to that. But I can speak to a guy jumping early, you know. Yeah. And so um, that's what I'm hoping to see yeah. going into this year is that we have a lot more disciplined play. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, I was talking to Austin about this the other day, but – um, you know, in, in 2019, that was the first year that we had Josh Henson and the O-line was, was not very good that mm -hmm. season. And, you know, second year, a lot of veterans on the O-line, um, they were a finalist for the Joe Moore award, you know, top three O-line in college football. And like, they were the story of the season. Like without that group, you know, we don't go nine and one, we don't win an orange bowl. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, second year of Adazio will bring a similar, you know, result, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. and, you know, you didn't lose anybody off last year's squad. I, mean, I, I guess you lost Wyckoff, but, you know, if you listen to the, you know, Romans coming out, he probably would have been behind, obviously, Bryce Foster and probably behind Mark Naboo as well, who's, uh, who's really coming on. So um, not to, you know, discredit him in any way, but uh, we've got some nice young players on the O-line and, um I thought Demetrius Crownover did some nice things. You know, he's still probably a year or two away. Um, the other guy, uh, Colton Thomason, early enrollee, uh, this kid was like in in 10th grade, he was like 6'8 and like 400 pounds and worked his butt off to get down to like 325 and looks incredible out there. And he took some lumps. Like, obviously, he's blocking some premier defensive ends, but – um, he did some nice things. I think there's there's something to work with there at, at tackle. But um, to get to my favorite position group on this football team, this defensive line is just it's it's filthy. I mean, yeah. Uh, I thought last year, you know, most of these guys were true freshmen. You know, they looked like big puppies out there that you know would have flashes of uh, of you know of dominance, and then not that not know what they were doing on the next play and it's tough, you know, to like, uh, LT Overton was, should have been in high school last year and he played like 500 snaps for us on defense. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not a normal thing. So I think getting those guys into their second year, um, I thought like Walter was just so impressive. Um, you know, not just playing well in the interior, like, like there were some times where he would just, you know, exploit off the ball, get into, you know, get into the center and extend those arms and just just tear things up in the middle but when they when they when they do stunts and run him around the outside like he moves like an end on the edge and like that's going to be so so dangerous for opposing offenses but um the main guy I want to praise is Shamar Turner and you know he's going into his third year was a five-star coming out and I thought last year 
I think they tried to bulk him up and play him inside, which is like, you know, what we all kind of thought they would do. But then the year went on and we're like, hey, like all of our ends are 18 years old. We need a, a, an older guy playing in for us. And he had to play some in, but he was training for tackle. And, you know, I think he's been committed to you know, like uh, reshaping his body to be an end. And he looks terrific. Um, yeah. I think him and, him and Fadil Diggs are probably your starters at end. But uh, I think Shamar is going to be a good one. Like he's – He's so powerful and explosive. Um, he's even got some pass rush moves now. Uh, there was uh, one, I think it was in the second half of the spring game, he put a nasty spin move on Basantis. Like, he, he had no idea where he was. <laughs> like, he just went <laughs> just like, boom, right around him. And, uh, yeah, that, that was filthy. So, um, and maybe the best one, McKinley Jackson didn't even play. So, um, this is this is a loaded group. I mean, th- there's so many names there. We could We could talk for 30 minutes on those guys alone, but – um, super promising to it, it was demoralizing for me for the run defense to be so bad last year and I think that gets fixed right away this year with this defensive line I hope it does and I'm confident that it will it's just linebacker kind of worries me on that just at the the numbers that we have is, yeah. is mainly why I, I do think that we have some good talent at linebacker but it's just it's just so thin in terms of numbers that that worries me and you just i don't know you you maybe i'm just going off of recent memory over the last two seasons when we were just plagued with injuries maybe this year we won't hopefully we won't right um but it's just it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart's going to be a phenomenal player and going to do really, really good things for our offense, assuming he never gets hurt, and I hope that he doesn't. I hope nobody ever gets hurt. That's it's my hope always, but it is part of football, and that's going to happen. And so um, I, I just want to see that we – if we rely really heavy on our, our D-line for that run defense, that's great. We just need to keep our linebackers heavy. Yeah. Or healthy, I'm sorry, not heavy. Um, or both. So, yeah, heavy <laughs> and healthy. But that's where I would say, go leading into our secondary, um, or, or at least our defensive backs, I think we've got a really good set of defensive backs that the pairing between our really filthy D-line and our really good senior-led, you know, DBs, I think will – I think we don't have to rely on linebackers as heavy. And so I would point to – is it the 2020 season um, when when Buddy Johnson was just – one of everybody's favorite players and he just he he just was the best if you look at how thin we were that year we were ultra thin and i was very worried about linebacker that year and and was mainly worried like he's got to stay healthy this whole year and he did but yeah it's we didn't have to rely on linebacker as much and there was there was a vast difference from a lot of the Chavis teams and, and the teams of the past where we had really good edge rushers and no real good D linemen. And we were just going through linebackers like nobody's business because we relied on them so heavy for our run defense. So I really, I might, it might be kind of sounding negative, but it's actually a positive from, from my viewpoint of because our D line is so good. And because our DBs should be so good, hopefully we won't have to rely on linebackers so much so that they get injured all the time. Yeah. And then if we can if we can keep the group of linebackers that we have healthy, yeah, we're going to have a really good defense. Yeah. Well, and like, um, I think like the biggest question mark on the team, maybe for me is, yeah, I think O-line is kind of a question mark. Like, We've seen most of those guys play well. They just need to do it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but with linebacker like cooper is such a playmaker and there's times where he's you know looks like an all-american and times where you know, maybe it gets a little bit lost mm-hmm. um you know we i feel like we don't have that buddy johnson who just you know is in on every play and is making every tackle um and you know chris russell this is his like fifth year i think so you know maybe, maybe it's his turn to you know be the 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 the, the guy in the middle and, and lead the defense but um it's the one position maybe outside of o-line and quarterback that i I hate playing freshmen at linebacker because they they get hurt, they they tear their shoulders up, and it, it messes up their development. and And I, I hate doing it. But mm-hmm. um, the two freshmen looked really, really good. Um, Torian York and uh, Damian Sanford, especially York, but uh, I think really both of them looked looked uh, very promising. Um, York kind of reminds me of Buddy Johnson, like kind of a shorter, compact guy, but. Um, I think he's your future Mike. That's just like, you know, like he's like, he's a, he's probably a coach's favorite player. Like he, he's, he's super smart and like he, he can diagnose and, and, uh, and figure things out super quick. Um, just, you know, he's just young and he's, uh, probably needs to bulk up a little bit, but, um, I think you've got five guys that, you know, are at least capable to some degree. Um, they went and got, you know, uh, the transfer from Jackson state, at linebacker uh, JD mm-hmm. Davis, um, so that helps you. you know, he, he's an older guy. Sure. Played, he's, he's played a lot of football, so um, that's excellent, excellent for depth uh, and, and whatnot. But um, on the back end, man, I I'll tell you one thing: the the whole country needs to know the name Bryce Anderson because he's probably going to be a first round draft pick in a couple years. Um, and I, I loved Antonio. I loved Antonio Johnson. I think he's awesome, and I think Bryce could be better than him um he's just so he's so quick and he's so like he's got the mentality of of a guy who's just a badass football player (laughs) yeah like he he played quarterback in high school so it was it was really hard to scout him like you're like oh this is a great athlete but can he play defense but you know playing quarterback you know probably his whole life uh prepared him even more like he knows how defenses or how offenses are, are, are designed and, and how to, you know, he uses that to his advantage on defense. And he, he just plays so fast and so physical. Um, I think he's, he's, he's primed for a breakout, breakout year this fall. And I keep forgetting we have Damani back. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is, <laughs> his you fifth, forget that? <laughs> this is, this is his fifth year as a starter. Like, I mean, that's, that's freaking awesome to get a guy like that back on your team. That's so valuable. Um, yeah. you know, and he's got the, he's got that mentality, both, that's where I think both him and Anias having them on both sides of the ball is huge because both of those are like the super loyal players that, you know, really love their team and are going to do whatever they can for their team. And those are the types of seniors that you want leading the team. Um, Not all seniors are going to be created equal. Right. Uh, But both of them, have been starters from day one and they're both guys that, you know, are just, just ultra smart, love the, the game, but they're also not selfish. You know, they're not yeah. selfish players who want, want it all for themselves. They're very team oriented and that's a really good benefit for us to have. Yeah. Um, uh, as, as, you know, as far as cornerback goes, um, your, your top two guys, you know, probably didn't see playing time. Like they were, you know, out with, uh, injuries or, um, I think, I think Chappelle had like some personal issues that caused him to miss some practice. And, uh, so he wasn't like, like he wasn't available to play in the spring game because he, he missed so much time. Um, but I, I think Chappelle is awesome. Um, I think he's a guy that could go early or like he could declare after this year. He might not. He may come back for senior year, but he's got the like he's that level of 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 player where where he could do that with a big year. Um, and then I, I'm so excited to see Tony Grimes. Uh, mm. Like we've been recruiting him for like ten years. It feels like yeah. <laughs> I remember like oh, there's a five star corner from Virginia somewhere that we might get, and he's visited a hundred times, and then he goes somewhere else. And uh, but he's here now. Um, I think he's kind of locked up that starting spot opposite Chappelle. Um, 
Sam McCall did some decent things in the in the spring game, but um, you know you still got a couple freshmen uh, uh, coming in: Javon Thomas, Bravian Rogers, um, Bobby Taylor. You know, I think he was probably he was probably doing the portal thing already, so he missed the spring game, but now he's back. So you know, he he might be a guy that can help you from a depth standpoint. Um, I think they probably go and try to find at least one more defensive back somewhere. But um, I think we need to. Yeah, because because really, and and this this kind of plays into what I was saying on linebacker. If our offense plays quicker, and we play a faster, looser type of offense, the defense is going to be on the field a lot more. So then we're going to have to have more depth and more talent at defense than we have in recent memory. Which we do. We've got the talent, but do we have the depth is the question. And yeah. so both at corner and linebacker, I think that's important. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to take another safety too, you know. So yeah. uh, just, just to where you could s- switch those guys out, give, give your main guys rest during, you know, games that you're, you're up quite a bit or, you know, the lower level games that we'll have. I think it would be important for us to continue to develop that depth through the transfer portal as much as we can and, and go from there, you know? Yeah. You know, um, and we, we don't have to get into the, the Aggies in the draft too much here at the end of the show, but um, I think it's interesting that the only three starters that we lost from last year's team are all going to be drafted uh, into the NFL. So um but that's literally all we lost to to the NFL or graduation was just three guys. <laughs> like we had yeah. like no seniors last year. The seniors that we had decided to come back um, in Anais and Damani. So um, it's it's such a weird predicament to be in. But um, I think the talent was there last year. I think the experience and talent will be there this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I don't know, you know, um, I'm not going to fall fall victim to what I've done the last two off seasons where I just, you know, whip myself into a frenzy over how good we're going to be. <laughs> um, but I, I will say this, uh, this, this schedule is very, very interesting to me, uh, primarily because I think Alabama hates their quarterbacks. Um, and I don't think they're, they're shy about that. Uh, they've tried to get multiple quarterbacks to transfer there and have not had success. Um, I think they're probably going to end up getting that kid from Notre Dame. Who's, he's okay, but um, they may have the worst quarterback play they've had in like eight years. Maybe more than that. Maybe like since like 08 or something. <laughs> but <laughs> like the days of like the guy that plays for them this year that starts with them, it's not going to be a first-round pick. I can tell you that right now. It's not, it's not going to be Bryce Young or Tua or even Jalen Hurts. Like I'm sure they'll be effective. They'll be a good player, but – man Bama I, I just don't know um that that early game against Texas I hate to say it that game is very interesting <laughs> but, <laughs> um but uh we've we've got all summer to get into that kind of those kind of topics but for um, sure anything else from you guys before we get out of here I don't think so next time we can cover the draft start start looking forward at the at the season and um maybe start breaking down the team a little bit and seeing what to expect where. Yeah. And, um, hopefully have some, uh, some news of some transfers coming into the program. Um, which, uh, I, I think they're going to do. Um, yeah, I think whenever we talked to Robert last, uh, we thought maybe three, three guys, four guys, uh, they've already got two They they may, you know, I don't know that they may get three or four more in yeah. addition. So like, I mean, in, in this day and age, you got to play the game. Like, yeah. why, why, why handicap yourself and play with a hand behind your back when, you know, you can go get a DB from a Power Five program to, to come in and and be on your team. So, For sure, um, we'll keep you all up to date on all that stuff. Uh, good luck to all the Aggies uh, getting drafted this week. For the love of God, Eagles do not draft Devon A. Chain um, <laughs> anywhere, any anywhere but there. <laughs> And I'll buy me an A-chain jersey, but it can't, it can't, it can't be the Eagles, anybody else.
it'll probably be the Chiefs knowing them. But um, yeah, that's that's it for us. Uh, he is the minister of mustache. He is uh, Chase Patton Caldwell. <laughs> the logo covers my name. I don't have one. Uh, we're the ineligibles. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.